Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for Chicago Business Radio. Now here are your hosts, Lee Cantor and Stone Payton. Lee Cantor here with Stone Payton in Chicago, Illinois for our inaugural episode of Chicago Business Radio. Stone, how are you doing? I am doing well, man. Quick two-hour nap on the way up from Atlanta. I could uh, I could make a regular thing of this. This is an, an easy, fun trip, and i got to give a shout-out to the good folks at Regis. You know, we have six studios in the southeast, four of them there in the metro Atlanta area, most of them in Regis facilities, but uh, they just they treat us like gold every time we come. That's right. Like they said, it feels like home. <laughs> it most certainly does. This is going to be a fantastic segment. I can't think of a better way to get Chicago Business Radio launched. A little bit later in the program, we are going to get a chance to visit with Jamila Center. She's Director of Marketing and Communications with Association Forum of Chicagoland. We're also going to catch up with somebody from Ty. Of course, uh, many of our listeners are well aware of what a fantastic relationship we enjoy with the good folks at Ty Atlanta. They helped us get connected uh, with a gentleman who is with Thai Midwest. So we are going to get a chance to have a conversation with Dr. Adarsh Arora. But first up on Chicago Business Radio this morning, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce the CEO with Medical Business Associates. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Miss Becky Bush. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So, Becky, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about what you guys are up to over at uh, Medical Business Associates? Well, if you've picked up any paper, radio program, or what have you, healthcare seems to be center stage. So, we like to consider ourselves uh, perpetual teenagers. It's all about us right now. And we have an interesting group. We take uh, nurses, doctors, pharmacists, all kinds of healthcare folks, and we train them in finance, fraud, and audit. So, we do all kinds of review. And uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting time from helping organizations find money uh, to preventing people from being victims of fraud. So we're, we're not bored. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> so fraud always makes for an interesting story, like you say, for the casual reader in the newspaper or if they hear it on radio broadcasts. Uh, but is it really that prevalent or are people just making news out of it or, or is this happening a lot? Well... Let's see. You, you've, you've pushed a few buttons there, and I know I have a time limit. Uh, I'm going to vary by, as far as medical business associates, we're hired by, by, by corporations, um, hospitals, law firms, and so forth. But what I really, I, I always go back to my nursing hat. When you come back to fraud, uh, I have a, a passion for what I call the illicitly challenged individuals who do steal. So when I say fraud, I'm going to give you two numbers, Okay. The first one is 6700 so That's $6,700 per second, per minute, per hour, per day, seven days per week. That's flying out the window. Wow. And when you say flying out the window, how is this happening? In what manner is this fraud occurring? There's all kinds of examples. Uh, I can give you one about drugs because I always find an excuse to talk about drugs. 10% of our supply chain is fake. It's counterfeit. It's diverted. doesn't matter where you go to buy it, any hospital, supply chain, uh, pharmacy, what have you. That's one area that they make money. Who's they? They are um, organizations that just rent a U-Haul. They go into the supply chain and steal drugs, and they make fake ones and then resell it. Back to the same hospital they stole from initially? As hospitals, pharmacies, and so forth. So that's just one big area. The other one is just submitting uh, fake bills. 
Just you just send in a little claim form to an insurance company and and you get paid. That's a that's another category. So me as an individual could do that. Yes. Or like Lee's Medical Clinic, you could just make up a little entity and then send in a. It's that simple. It's that simple, and I, you know, hi, clearly, hi, hi. clearly on the radio, I'm not going to give people the exact <laughs> recipe on how to do it. Just but if you have an envelope and a stamp, you can start. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and this is happening all over, and your firm comes in and does what? Well, our firm will, if there's a breach or if someone has identified items that were stolen or claims that were filed, our nurses come in and investigate it and put the story together. But on behalf of, like, the medical center or the it, hospital? It could be a medical center. It could be an employer. Uh, the the other area of, in lawyers, sometimes they want to know, you know, what happened and how, so we get involved with that. Uh, the uh, probably a, a great story. The other area is uh, medical identity theft. They're stealing identity, so someone can take your identity in your name and right. go have surgery. So that's one example. So then, uh, so then you could help me as an individual. One of the areas uh, is working with individuals to clean up their medical records. Mm -hmm. And one of the classic stories I like to use with my students is the one of Andrea Sachs when. The way she found out her identity was stolen in the healthcare system is when DCFS showed up at her front door to take her kids away. And she's like, what? Wow. And the reason why is they were coming to arrest her because there was a child born on methamphetamines. And the long story short is the month before, someone stole her wallet. It happened to be the perpetrator was a nine-month pregnant known meth user, went and had a baby in her name. And so they don't check IDs, or they, she got a fake ID with she her? She stole her ID. She made a fake <laughs> ID. Her insurance card went in, had the baby, left the hospital, so the hospital was looking for mom. And there you have lots of different victims. Mm -hmm. Now, I know you talk about in your work this idea of a personal health care portfolio. Can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. The analogy would be like your credit report. You know how you... Right, right. Sure. Okay. Well, think about this. In healthcare, there is no credit-like report for your health information. So in that sense, a, a personal healthcare portfolio is basically a personal health record, but it's more than that. It's a listing of all the bills that were ever sent out in your name. So you should collect all your insurance bills. It's also your health information. You want to know your health history, all contained in one document. And so as you uh, work in the healthcare system, it's a binder, it's a book that we've actually prepared for people that they keep track of their health information, their history, their finances, and so forth, and they actually keep it centralized themselves when they're going from doctor to doctor. But that's different than a healthcare record? It's like an electronic medical record? Absolutely. It, each, uh, the market now is such that they want all doctors and hospitals to create these electronic medical records, right. but it's centralized. Mm-hmm. So there's no centralized source that's saying, hey, you know, send in all the financial information. So the billing part isn't centralized? No. That's still siloed? That's siloed. And that also your health information is siloed. So it's up to the patient to aggregate to it. To kind of aggregate it. And that's what your firm helps individuals do? Or, or you could do it on behalf of the medical center? Or? Uh, on behalf of the medical center, on behalf of employers. Mm -hmm. But that's what the portfolio that you asked me about um, is really about. It's how to do that, how to centralize all your information. Well, I like this idea of helping the employers because I can see, for example, let's take Business Radio X Network as an employer. Right. And then one of the things that we might offer, aside from uh, different ways to cover your health care and all that, is the service of getting your health care ducks in a row, a piece of which might be 
engaging a, a firm like yours to to put this portfolio together? That would be a benefit to like our producer Michael, right? Well, it, that's a great question because I met with a group of uh, healthcare brokers yesterday, and everyone is incorporating wellness programs, which is great. Mm-hmm. We have an educational segment on how do you teach your employees to organize their health information and be better advocates on the front line. They're at the point of uh, they're at the point of purchase. So you, the more information, the more you arm them with, the better choices they will make. Now, when you're, so you're arming them with the information, but it's on the individual to, to aggregate it themselves, or are you doing it all on their behalf? We're actually going to be offering both. So you have the choice if you want to do it yourself or if they want to do it through your firm? The, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I got to know, what's the backstory on, on this? Did you get cheated? Did you just get fed up one day? I know you have some healthcare background, but what, uh, how did you get where you are now? Uh, well, there's two stories. There's one in how I started my company, and the other one is how I got to this portfolio. The portfolio really stemmed from all of our volunteer work because as a, as a group of healthcare professionals, you know, corporations hire us, hospital systems sure. hire us, but we take on about 10 to 15 individual consumers per year, And then one year I was like, okay, I need to come up with an efficient way for these individuals to organize their information. So when I come in, you know, I only have so much time Time, I can give away. Sure. And so this is structured in a way for them to organize it intuitively, and then they learn. So every time they come back to me, they need less help. Right. And now, is it easy for the individual to compile all this information? We've made it that way. So you just tell them, okay, this is what you ask for, these forms, this information, so they can go out to their medical provider and get it? it that's right. And, in fact, there's one section. The, the, the first person that I did this with was a family friend who was diagnosed with cancer. And I told her, the financial section, here are three things. Just collect them, collect them, collect them. Year three, when I was following her, she had a problem with bills not getting paid. I said, remember the stuff I told you to do in section three? Let's go look at it. <laughs> right. Everything you need to advocate for yourself is there. Right. And that's an important component, the ability to advocate for yourself if something goes wrong. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I'm going to give all your listeners one, uh, one good one. Cause okay. There's two terms every employee patient should know. CPT is a procedure. Diagnosis is, uh, is ICD code. Anytime you see a doctor, they communicate a what and a why. So I don't ever want an individual leaving a doctor's office without asking what and why. 70%, I think, of all doctor's visits are billed at 60 minutes or more. If you saw that on your bill, you would say, hey, wait a minute, why? You owe me 58 more minutes. <laughs> right. right. So just arming someone with that, right. when they leave, they can ask the question, what are you billing me for today? Yeah, that's great. My kid broke her leg like two and a half years ago. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm sure this is no surprise to you. I have this stack of papers over in the corner of my office. I don't have the first clue. We, we may owe people money. They may owe us money. I don't know. I get stuff. I throw it in a pile. I just, it, it's, a, it's a mess is what it is. It, it's, it's awful. It's a quagmire. So, you know, think about, I mean, this is a business radio show. So think about a business trying to manage their expenses. Right. Yeah. So as an employer, you provide health care benefits. If you don't have the data, how do you make decisions? Right, you can't. And if you're an indiv- individual, same thing. And you are not alone. I hear that every day. So how does the sales and marketing thing work for somebody like you? Are you knocking on doors at hospitals? Is your phone ringing off the hook with people like me that are just buried under paper? Or how do you get to have these kinds of conversations with the people that should be writing you checks for you to help them? You know what? We've been in business for 21 years, oh, wow. which is great, since 1991. 
And I will tell you that we, I'd say 90% of our work is referral. Mm-hmm. The other 10% is from articles, going around, teaching, and training. So we've been fortunate in, in that respect. So when you say teaching and training, who are you teaching and training? Well, I became an adjunct professor at Florida Atlantic University, FAU, and uh, I created a, a one-year's master's program for them. I have a lot of associations and organizations that have our group come in to teach them subjects like this, employ professionals, how do you audit, how do you review so we're really into training and, and education. And are you doing that uh, adjunct professorship online, or are you going down to Florida to do it? I, they have, this has been approved in their online program, so I actually can go down there, mm-hmm. or I can do it from my conference room. I have nice. the luxury of doing, <laughs> and I can tell you in Chicago, believe me, I have no problem going down to Florida in January, <laughs> February. So it, 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 it varies, but I have the option of both, which is nice. Now, has um, the Obamacare, has that been good for your business, or has that created more opportunity? For all the auditors in the room, Affordable mm-hmm. Care Act to medical auditors is like Sarbanes-Axley was to internal audit. <laughs> ah. So when you create change, change is opportunity, good, bad, and or indifferent to you know where you fall or what have you, but we have massive change. So that requires people to come in and audit and review. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've been going through 200% growth cycles wow. right now. Now, uh, this challenge and this work, does it extend to the dental community? Absolutely. Uh, the reason I ask, uh, my brother is, I don't know, the Grand Poobah or something at the Florida Dental Association. He's... Uh, uh, he's crook is what he is, I think. But, uh, <laughs> but, but they, they, they uh, wrestle with all these same issues, right? Absolutely. Yes, they do. A- any any healthcare provider uh, involved in either providing a service, when it comes to billing for it, et cetera, they are subject to provisions of the Affordable Care Act. So what's next for you? More focus on getting word out about uh, and making this portfolio something that more of us can, can get our arms around and, and use, or is something else on the horizon you can let us know about? Well, we have 21 years of providing audit services. And our, uh, we are in the process. I also have uh, seven patents, and I have one pending. So we're in the process of taking all of our how-to audit and making them service as a software program. Oh, we wow. can't audit everything, so our goal is to put those, uh, commercialize the audit tools that we use mm-hmm. for others to, to also benefit from that opportunity. Seven patents. Have you ever invented any? Have you ever had like no. a solid idea that someone was going to? I have no patents. That is so cool. That's a you must be a very self-disciplined, tenacious person. Because isn't the patent process kind of an involved deal? That's not a willy-nilly thing, is it? Well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like a curious George. I entertain <laughs> myself solving uh, solving problems, and in fact, I'm also in the fortunate position that the people I work with. I still have my first employee. Can you imagine? Wow, good. And I have at 21 years, and I have actually we're hiring some of the kids as internships. But I have (laughs) a lot of people that I've worked with 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 me at MBA for over, I don't know, um, like six or seven that have been with us like from the beginning, which which is nice. But my COO told me I'm not allowed to file. Um, another patent until I monetize the ones I have now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm on a mission. So I'm not short on ideas. <laughs> All right. Where can our listeners go to learn more, perhaps have a substantive conversation with you or someone on your uh, team about this? Well, you can find us at two places, Rebecca Bush, B-U-S-C-H.com or at MBAaudit.com. Well, it has been an absolute delight having you in the studio. And uh, 
I'm more excited than ever now that we've come to Chicago. If this is the, the kind of conversation that Chicago holds, uh, we got to spend more time yeah. early. Right. Well, thank she, you. She can come back and do a whole uh, episode on patents. Yeah, no kidding. That'd be a fun <laughs> conversation, wouldn't it? i tell you what might be fun uh, is I would like you to come back. I'd like you to come back with a client. I think that would be a very interesting co- – would you be up for that lead? Like if yeah. we had her and, and we hear it from the, from the client's perspective. What, what the pain what, they were having and how the you before, were able after. to – Absolutely. All right. So we all explored doing that. Hey, listen, you got to hang out with us while we visit with our other guests? Definitely. Thank you. All right. Next up on Chicago Business Radio, we have with us Director of Marketing and Communications with Association Forum of Chicago Land, Miss Jamila Center. Hello, Jamila. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, did you learn anything that didn't just absolutely scare you out of that last segment? Um, you know, it's interesting being the association that I am with, we have a lot of our members who are in the um, healthcare field. Uh-huh. So a lot of what I was hearing was definitely kind of a familiar conversation. <laughs> um, not, you know, uh, great news, but good to know that there's a viable know. solution out there. So thank you for that information. So now can you talk a little bit about Association Forum? What are you guys doing for folks? Sure. So ultimately, I guess the simplest way to describe Association Forum is that we are the Association of Associations. Um, sounds like Russian <laughs> sounds like a country dolls. song. I know. Um, when I first started working there, my friends were like, are you sure that's not some kind of cult? <laughs> um, but what it is really is Chicagoland is the second largest hub for associations and nonprofits mm-hmm. outside of D.C., and so what Association Forum of Chicagoland does is we provide education, resources, and overall just a community for association professionals or those who work at all of these associations to come together, to learn, to share ideas, and to help you know, the, build the profession of association management. So now how many associations are there out there? In the Chicagoland area, there are more than 1,600 associations. So it's in Chicagoland. We're not talking about the country here. Right. We're not talking about the county. We're not talking about the state. We're talking about Chicagoland. In the Chicagoland wow. area, there are more than 1,600 associations and nonprofits. Um, so, you know, it's a very big industry. And when you look at the, the numbers, the facts and figures, it's, it's really uh, quite eye-opening. Associations um, in Chicagoland employ more than 44,000 individuals on a full and part-time basis so that's actually more than the city of chicago that's more than chicago public schools that's more than all of the cook county employees so it's it's a very big industry um you know that it impacts a lot of people and when you take it one step further and look at those associations and their greater memberships, then we start looking at numbers that are close to the hundreds of thousands. Because when you're, the first number was just the people that are working in the association, not their members, right? Correct. So f- more than 44,000 people work at Chicagoland associations. Man. Well, I want to speak to that a little bit because I mentioned in our last segment, my brother is fairly high up, I think, in the Florida Dental Association. He's got the nice office and all that, and he certainly drives nicer cars and all that. He's younger, better looking, and makes more money than me. I really mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. have much use for him. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to ask you the same question. My parents and I I'm a, are always asking him, is, is, is managing an association, is that, I mean, is, there, is that really a career path? <laughs> It's absolutely a career path. Um, you know, one one interesting thing, I just happened, you know, we're because we're a mission-based organization, we're a 501c6, um, you know, a lot of our 
resources are led and produced by our volunteer groups. And as part of that, we have an awards and recognition program. So I'm the staff liaison for the awards and recognition committee. One of um, our current award winners, who's going to be honored next month, um, actually was a former association forum employee about 20 years ago and her entire career has been in association management huh. as i am relatively new to the industry myself i am discovering that the vast majority of association professionals have really spent the majority of their careers in working for associations and other nonprofits. Um, so it really is you know you can build an entire career in association management and in fact you know it is beginning to emerge um, in college and university programs that they are offering degrees in nonprofit or association management which is something that is relatively new and exciting for for us as we look to you know build the professional practice of association management now um, you said you're relatively new to this, what are some of the weird associations that you've run across? Because, like, weird sounding. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> no, there's like characterize there's them a as lot weird of on this There's associations for everything, they're, right? They're literally. <laughs> and some of them had to have surprised you. <laughs> some of them have definitely surprised me. I mean, it just runs the complete gamut. If you can imagine it, there's an association. But like, for there's it. obvious, like you would think there's like healthcare associations yes. or dental association yes. or doctor associations. Right. But there's some. There's interior lighting and design associations. Just for interior lighting. Just for interior <laughs> lighting. Right. Uh, you so know, there's probably an there's, exterior lighting association I, probably I, somewhere. I'm certain that there is. There's associations for different um there's a fraud association, right? A fraud. <laughs> yes, Just a fraud for association. Huh. There is uh, an association for mechanical contractors. Um, there's an association for business marketers. There's mm -hmm. an association for retailers. There's an association for right, realtors. Here, I, 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 mean, I got to stop you now. <laughs> what, what, and maybe it differs from association to association, but what is the overarching value proposition if... Um, and I want to go both layers, but right now I want to go, I'm an exterior lighting manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to be part of the exterior lighting association? Is it, is it thought leadership? Is it exchanging best practices? Is it the trade show and exposure? What's the overarching kind of? I would say that it's all of that, but ultimately when you look at any association, um, what they have in common is that they are mission driven. So for whatever industry or group that they are serving, they are all marching toward fulfilling a particular mission. Mm -hmm. So their members are all, for whatever reason, um, you know, needing to be fulfilled by that mission. So whatever resources or services or community or products or research or certification and credentialing um, that association provides is why they are attracting and retaining their members. I, I didn't mention that in my right. list. Certification and credentialing, right, that's, that's going to be huge, especially in professional, well, probably in a lot of them. And yeah, in, in a lot of them, um, you know, the the list goes on in time in terms of the the certifications and the credentials. I know when I look at our own members, um, there's one member of our board of directors who literally has 26 different letters after her name. For what do you think of that, doctor? Don't, don't look at my card, okay? <laughs> 
for for all of uh, you know her various um, credentials and, and certifications that she holds. But you know they're important. Uh, you know, to kind of set yourself apart and to kind of show that you're committed to, to your industry, to your field, and to your profession. Um, I know for associations, that particular credential is the CAE, which is the Certified Association Executive Credential, um, and Association Forum of Chicagoland happens to be a certified provider um, of that program. All right, you got you to say that again because I'm going to call Rusty tonight and ask him if he's one of these things. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and if he's not, I'm going to send him to you and you uh, sell him one, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So. so this is a credential that it, at some point, if he hasn't already, this is something that... Well, you have to ma- continue to renew it. So, okay. So, so if he hasn't got it, he's got to get it. If he's got it, he's got to renew it. Correct. So in order to... You know, get it originally, you have to, I mean, there's a whole list of criteria, but, you know, you have to be in association management for at least five years. Um, You have to, you know, complete X amount of hours um, in professional development, continued education in a short or specific amount of time. And you also have to complete and pass an exam. Yes. Now, as you're uh, as you're the director of marketing communications, what's your day to day job? Are you helping the associations, the executives of these associations, market themselves, or are you marketing your association? My role is to market primarily our association. Mm-hmm. So that is how I spend the vast amount of my time. Um, I work closely, you know, with our education and program development department as well as with our membership department. Uh, to understand what our members want and what they need and, you know, turn that into tangible uh, experiences for our members and then, of course, put the message out there for the correct audience. Because you're trying to get more members. We're trying to get more members. And those are the associates. So is every association not a member of your association? Every association, unfortunately, (laughs) is not a member of our association. (laughs) I don't know why, but they are not. No, we have... um, Around 600 different associations represented in our membership. We have around 4,000 members right Uh now. And then do you do, a lot of associations do like kind of conferences, annual events. Do you guys do that? We absolutely do. We um, actually, as part of our bylaws, are required to do at least an annual meeting annually. So um, we are actually getting geared up for that right now. It is coming up next month, June 17th through the 19th. It's called Forum Forward. And And so what happens there? So we actually are completely reimagining the whole entire program for this year. So what has happened in the past is not what's going to happen uh, (laughs) this year, but it's going to be very exciting nonetheless. Um, basically, we will have uh, more than 40 different education sessions. So okay, so this is an opportunity for them to get some of this education that they need for their um, credentials, right? Yes, um, and in fact, if they attend the entire conference and you know maximize their time in education sessions, they can earn up to 17 CAE hours. Um, so we have you know 40 different programs um, in a variety of different learning formats. So, you know, from your traditional, more classroom-style setting with the presenter to more roundtable type of experiences, we also have, um, I want to say, about a dozen of our shared interest group meetings. So our shared interest groups are member communities, individual communities, where people of like 
interests or shared interests join together to kind of informally discuss their challenges, their best practices, and, and learn from each other. So that is uh, part of it. And then additionally, we have this year infused um, a considerable amount of presenters and headliners keynotes <clears throat> from the for-profit industry. Um, you know, because it's, it's a mixture. Your association huh. of for and nonprofits, right? Not really. Uh, Most of our members non-profit? are nonprofits. We do have a segment of our membership, which is our supplier partner segment, uh-huh. and so these are the companies that are the vendors for these associations. For associations, so you'll have a lot of business services type vendors, printers, um, software providers, and such. And then you also have a lot of um, destination and hospitality members. Well, that makes sense. Oh, because they because they us. all have their own conferences, right? Because right? <laughs> every single association has their <laughs> own <laughs> annual meeting. Right. So you know. Us being the association form of Chicagoland, mm-hmm. we don't tend to have our meetings elsewhere because all of our members so are in, in fact Chicago, here. Right. <laughs> but a lot of our, you know, associate member associations are international in scope, right? And they might have it, and right. so they can have it, you anywhere. know, anywhere, D- Dubai or so. Like Brazil. in that, in this case, what for happened? these uh, suppliers and service providers, is there like an expo hall or something like that? So for Forum Forward, we are introducing our first expo hub. Uh, Expo Hall um, at an annual meeting. Uh, so this is the first time you've ever done this? Yes. How many do, uh, like we have booths or something uh, like that? Uh, we kind of, it, it is not going to be a traditional Expo Hall. So, for example, we are providing for our exhibitors all of the furniture and equipment and monitors that they are going to need. We wanted to create a uniform, streamlined environment where people could really focus on understanding the solutions, but more importantly, why do they need these solutions and what is what are these solutions going to help them achieve? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot more um, touch and feel and have More a real conversation rather than that kind of booth next to yes right? so the whole layout is much more circular and flowing and in its design wow, that's unique um, yeah so it's, it's different and we're also incorporating then in the innovation hub um, two think tank theaters which are open style classrooms if you will where it will be much more conversational and discussion we really want uh wanted to create an an opportunity for idea sharing um because we feel like that is really what's going to spark the kind of innovation that's going to be needed to to bring association management and you want it in an informal way so it's kind of organically occurring rather than this top-down Mm-hmm. way of uh, communicating yeah. i'm gonna get you some side work with the thai guy and anybody else that comes mm-hmm. to the studio that does trade shows do you i mean this is a very innovative take yeah on you how know, to do an expo yeah we we got to give it up we've partnered with uh <laughs> ges and they have really stepped up to help us create this environment that that we are looking for because we kind of you know had this concept and oh yes that sounds really uh-huh. great but how do we how are we gonna that? pull this off yeah <laughs> Now, um, do you have to be a member to attend, or is this a place where prospective members can kind of get a taste of it to see if they want to join? Absolutely, yes. You do not have to be a member to attend. Prospective members can certainly attend, get a taste for it. Uh, We actually are kicking off our membership referral campaign at the event, so, you know, you people are invited to bring a member or bring a friend and 
you know, make a friend, make friends <laughs> and, you know, just kind of explore all the neat things that Forum Forward has to offer. Another unique thing is that we actually, um, you know, be, because we are a nonprofit and our members are nonprofits, there is always an ongoing emphasis on giving back. So we actually have incorporated a social service event within the innovation hub. So the attendees of Forum Forward, not only can they, you know, absorb and take in a lot of valuable information, new ideas, but they can also give back by assembling, excuse me, hygiene kits for um, nice. Clean the World, and then those are going to be, the assembled kits are going to be donated to a local nonprofit called ChildServe that helps um, at-risk children and their families in the Chicagoland area. So, you know, it's, we're just So giving back by being there and actually doing something, not necessarily, I'm sure you'll be happy for them to drop some money in a fishbowl or whatever, but right. one of the ways that I can give back if I'm in this environment, I can participate with everybody else and stand there and, and help put these kids together. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, then I guess the final uh, really unique thing that we're doing is we've partnered with an organization called CNTV, which is Convention News Television, and um, they are going to kind of be our media um, providers. So we have what we are coining the Soundbite Studio. So we've identified several of the presenters for Forum Forward to come to the Soundbite Studio for a one-on-one -on -one interview. Yet nice. the studio is not enclosed. So any participants or any attendees are encouraged and are welcome to come up and watch these interviews. And then, of course, you know, we'll use them to highlight how great the event was <laughs> later on. But, That's great. Um, well, it'll help you promote the next event. I absolutely. bet during that interview, you know you're going to capture some great information. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's been our experience when we've sure. interviewed thought leaders. What they may not know, but that we know, is what a fabulous idea it would be to interview you during that process. So you ought to get yourself on that slate because you <laughs> certainly represent this, uh, this association of associations extremely well. Before we wrap, i got to yeah. ask you, uh, this, the question's about money, because mm -hmm. I think so often we get this idea that not-for-profits don't need to, don't want to, shouldn't make money, and that just doesn't feel right. To, that's not true. I mean, they got to have money to, to function effectively. Can you speak to that from your perspective a little bit before we wrap? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, that, that was something that I prior to my joining Association Forum didn't really understand either. I think many people don't. Um, basically, the way that it operates is that we need to make money because we have bills to pay. We have <laughs> salaries to pay, of course, first and foremost. Got to cover their health care. Got to keep them from getting cheated. <laughs> That's Otherwise right. Otherwise, you have to call Becky in. But also to... <laughs> to meet our members' needs to provide the type of services and resources that, that they expect and that they need to, to do what they need to do, we have to continually reinvest in development and additional opportunities. So essentially, our goals with making money are to fund our next initiatives. And it's just kind of an ongoing cycle of making money and spending money to buy the next great thing. and So you can help more people. That's but, right. You know, if the and, money and we, isn't flowing, it's hard to help the people. And we have to, you know, also constantly be evolving. So the programs that we offered five years ago may or may not be relevant still relevant today. today. Yeah. And so we have to tap into, you know, new new sources. Um, for and now is that, uh, do you guys help the uh, associations kind of figure that out or they're on their own to figure that out? Um, they 
they kind of figure that out on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, we really focus on, I guess, various functional areas of an association. So, for example, most associations have some sort of governance structure. So we offer programs specifically related right. to governance or, you know, marketing or things like that. But The things they all have in common. The things that they all have in common. Um, and basically just helping you as an individual perform um, as well as you can in your functional area. So now, if you're an association person out there that uh, isn't a member, where can you go for more information? You can go to associationforum.org, O-R-G, um, and all of our information is there. All right, and let's recap uh, coordinates and information for this upcoming event that you talked about. Sure. This is happening pretty soon. It is happening pretty soon. It will be June 17th through the 19th at McCormick Place in Chicago, and you can find information there at associationforum.org as well as forumforward.org. Well, I want to continue the conversation. This afternoon is not the right time slot for it, uh, and I want to continue to, to get a window into these events that you're putting together. Yeah, Lee and I have an opportunity from time to time to go do these on-site remote broadcasts at mm -hmm. various events, and we've seen some neat stuff. But it sounds to me like you and this, uh, this outfit you mentioned. Uh, tell me about them again. CNTV, Convention News Television. Um, yeah, them that, too. But there was also oh, an outfit that helped G you kind of organize all this? GES, yes. They are an exhibition type of company. Um, a, a lot of people who frequently do exhibits would be familiar with, with them and the services they They would know they these folks. And this convention provide. news television, television, it sounds like they do a great job of helping you guys capture thought leadership right there on site on and the said, spot. it's not a closed in, in studio it's it probably it's, not completely unlike some of the stuff we do but it's right. open air and people can see yes, it absolutely wow yeah. cool yeah. very nice thank uh, you so i really do want to continue this conversation uh, i'd be happy to we'll have you back maybe on the back side of the event and come tell us about how it went or maybe right. bring some uh chicago land associations come in and talk to us about uh, about the event you'd be up for that yeah that'd be great um you know maybe we can kind of do a recap with some of our health care associations uh, <laughs> there you go Look, everybody are... wins that's right <laughs> <laughs> everybody wins here at, uh, at at team lee that's right <laughs> do you All have right? the uh, ethical hackers association in your queue <laughs> mm, i don't ethical think hackers? So. ethical hackers yeah our next guest will that'll be all right michael get them on the get get them on the docket uh well this has been a real pleasure. Jamila, thanks so much for coming by and visiting with us this afternoon. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, stay with us. we got one more guest we're going to visit with. Wonderful. All right, Lee, it's that time. It's the headliner, the guy we've all been waiting for. Uh, this gentleman is the president with uh, the, what is the name of this outfit? Is it Chicago Land Tie? Midwest. Midwest Tie. Uh, tie Midwest. He's also CEO with Lyle Technology Partners, uh, Reputata Inc., a very patient man, but I think he's enjoyed some of these conversations. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Adarsh, Adarsh Aurora. How do we do? How are you? <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> well, you have been very patient. I've seen you nod your head a time or two as these ladies were, uh, were talking. Uh, what do you think about what you've heard so far, uh, both on the healthcare fraud front and this association of association of association of association stuff. Well, I was listening to Becky and, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you, you listen to a problem and some obvious things come to mind and you just wonder why those things are not done. So she talked about a case where she said that 70% of the time, if you look at your doctors, they're charging you for 60 minutes. That's what I thought she said. 
That's correct. Okay. <laughs> now, if I'm an insurance company, it would not take me three minutes to figure out to write some software which will make sure that the doctors are not working more than 12 hours. So if they're saying 20 patients, how is it possible that they could be charging one hour, right? <laughs> so, so, it's it, an, so you wrote that down. That's a business <laughs> opportunity <laughs> for you. Another, another computer launch. Right <laughs> You're a serial entrepreneur, right? Yes, I am. So that's an opportunity, right? That's, that's how you an look opportunity. at it. Yes, yes. So now talk a little bit about your background um, and how, it, how you got involved with time. Okay, so um, I landed in this country when I was 19 years old. I had finished bachelor's degree and came here in the 70s and tried to figure out what to like do. Like here being Chicago area? Yeah, I landed in Chicago from, oh. from, from India. And um, I talked to some folks, and they said, you know, if you want to be successful in this country, remember, I, I didn't know anything about U.S. at that time, um, you either become a doctor or you go into computer science. <laughs> Since I have no talent whatsoever in biology, I said, well, I'll become a computer scientist. So I went to Northwestern, did my master's and PhD there, uh, worked for a while in, in some companies, became a professor for a while. I loved it. I, I really, really enjoyed being a, a, a professor in a local university here, uh, but it doesn't pay enough. So I said, well, I'm just going to start doing my own companies. So that's how I became an entrepreneur. So then you got involved in what, in software or Yeah, technology? yeah, my, my, my background is software. Uh, and so I launched a first company in 1990 kind of time frame. Uh, and that was in chip design kind of an area. Um, the second company was a little bit more interesting, which we launched in Boston and Chicago. And if you recall, there was this fear that when the clock turns uh, year 2000, the That's whole right. world will come to an end. right. And we took full advantage of that fear. <laughs> See that the chaos brings opportunity, right? Becky? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we, we we launched a company. It was called Peritas Software Services. We took it public, uh, and we created um, half a billion dollar market cap for that company. So our investors were very happy with that. And of course, uh, when the clock turned over, nothing much happened. But <laughs> because you did such a great job. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe everybody was using our software, I guess. <laughs> and now uh, now with Lyle, Technology Partners and Reputata, yeah. uh, what are you up to these days? So, um, so bringing Thai back into that, because that's also, uh, you know, we wanted to chat about Thai got started in 1994, 1995 in Silicon Valley. And Thai is the largest entrepreneur organization in the world. It's got several thousand members. It's in 45 countries. And the idea is to create um, an ecosystem for all technology entrepreneurs to learn from each other and launch companies. That's, that's in essence, is the time But chapter. that's where it started. I, I know the chapter in Atlanta isn't all technology-oriented. Yeah, but, but you will find that 70 to 80% companies will be technology-focused. Right. Okay. Mm. So now when I say technology focus, so you got technology entrepreneurs, but you got lawyers, you got accountants, you got venture capitalists, right? This is the total ecosystem right. which really creates mm -hmm. this environment for people to um, succeed in. So um, Chicago chapter was launched in 1998, 1999 kind of time frame. I was one of the founding charter members. And then you might recall, some of you might recall that in 2000, NASDAQ crashed. And when NASDAQ crashed, uh, it's like everybody ran for cover. Um, and what we decided to do in Lyle Technology Partners is to keep the chapter alive. And that paid over the years very, very heavy dividends for us. 
So we kept the chapter alive. We basically did events by inviting people and entrepreneurs will come and talk about their experiences. We kept that thing going. So I became the president of Thai Midwest and remained president till 2005. Okay. So that allowed the opportunity to try to, be, try to get known in the Chicago area. Uh, as a matter of fact, at that time when Mayor Daly of Chicago was visiting, wanted to visit India, um, our office got a call saying, who are the business leaders he really should meet to? And all I had to do was write some notes to the, in Bangalore, the Thai charter members and Thai presidents, and all of them met him. So even at the political level, they start figuring out that these guys are connected because one of the unwritten rules in Thai, which you might have heard or might not have heard, you know, we have a concept of charter members, right? Charter right. members are the people who have been successful doing it. And then there's a the general membership. Charter members, there's kind of an unwritten rule that I, as a charter member, if I write to a person or if I call a person, that call will get returned. Now, these charter members are some of the real key CEOs of worldwide companies, right? So I don't take that lightly when you're going to make a call or you're going to write a letter. You do that and your call is returned. Right. That has got tremendous value. So we use that and Mayor Daly met everybody and came back and said, what is this organization? which has got that kind of a global connectivity, you see. So, but it's a purely voluntary organization, right? It's, it's, and, it's, and it's beyond, it's one of these organizations that I've never heard of before where you have to pay for the opportunity to volunteer well, to help and mentor and help other organizations. Y- yes, so I, <laughs> I am a charter member. I pay $1,500 a year. Right. Uh, and, um, but, but here's the thing. You know, you, you pay... You, you start out by saying, I should give back to the community, which is true. All of us say that. Some of us want to do it. But for any organization to survive, you've got to get something out of it also. Right? Right. That's just human nature. Sure. So um, if you would allow me, I will just to, just to tell you how powerful Thai is, uh, I can walk you through a specific example as yeah, to how please. it played yeah, out. Please. So... Um, Lyle Technology Partners, you asked me, what do we do? We basically are an incubator. Out of Lyle Technology Partners, we launch other companies. Um, so in 2007, we launched a company in the network security space. And by network security, you know, you want to make sure the computer systems are secure, right? There are a lot of hacker, hackers coming after right. your systems. So we launched that company. We spent a few million dollars building a product. Now, when you build a complex software product, one of the difficult things is who is going to beta test it? Right. Who, which company is going to give you the opportunity to test out this complex product because it costs them time right. to test out your product. Now, how do we find that out? How, how, how do you get a real company to test out your product? Um, I, of course, use my um, Thai network, found a CEO of a large uh, financial company in Chicago, and because of the Thai group... But did you know the person previously? I did not know the person, but I knew uh-huh. a Thai charter member who knew who this knew person. That? Right? Mm. Okay. There's, so they, they called up on my behalf and saying, you know, it's a quality guy, give him a chance. So this person put that product and start testing it. So we got some good feedback. Um, now, please understand, we had bet several million dollars building it. And then in 2008, as you know, the uh, credit the, crisis hit. Right. Yeah. Everything collapsed. So now we are saying, where, where am I going to go and raise 8 to $10 million to market this product? Who's going to give 8 to $10 million? And who's going to buy this product, which is $100,000, $150,000 per copy? 
mm-hmm. because everybody was holding out to cash. Right. So now uh, I have some fellow entrepreneurs sitting here and all of us have gone through these kind of situations at a different degree. Now, when the situation is really tough, that's where the ideas come. Right. Right. It's a question of survival at that point. So we went around and talked to some smart people uh, uh, in Chicago area. And one of the persons said that, you know, there's a very interesting company in Texas, Austin. It's, it's a company which is not even public at this point. And they have come up with a model where rather than selling complex software, you can sell pieces of software which are much cheaper and each piece will combine becomes a complex product. They have, they have come with this unique model of selling things in pieces on the internet without spending millions of dollars in sales and marketing. Okay? Wow. They, they have no salesperson. No salesperson. Only marketing and technology. First company in software area to ever do that. I said, oh, this is great. Now, how am I going to reach that company? So I went through my tie network, found a venture capitalist in Chicago. She found Austin Ventures. Austin Ventures had invested in this company, and they put us in touch with that company. Now, this company is saying, okay, it has come through the tie network, so let's see what these guys are doing. They looked at our product. They said, you are very interesting product, but you are large product, enterprise. We are small products, different model. So I asked them, as an entrepreneur can't hurt to ask, right? All they can say is no. I said, would you just give us 30 minutes of your time every two months so we can learn your model? And he said, I would do that. We went into hibernation mode for next 18 months, redid all our products. So you paused the company. Paused the company and said, we're going to redo the products and we're going to do it in pieces. So what we did, we made a critical decision at that point that we are going to build this company which will eventually be acquired by this Texas-based company. This With decision- the help of the Texas-based company. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love so it. So you built it now, to their specs because no, they were but, helping you. But, but it's a different product. It's a different right. space, right? Did they know this? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh, oh, they knew that. They knew they were going to buy you. They're gonna, no, they're gonna no, win no. <laughs> so in 2010, we made the decision. 2012. This company was sitting in front of us. They bought us. Now they're a public company. The name of the company is SolarWinds. Uh, they have a model where they have three, $400 million in sale, but their market cap is about $4 billion. Why? Because their sales costs are basically zero. Mm-hmm. So we just built their model. So eventually when they moved in the security area, you were they ready. are six of our competitors, but we are the, the only, only one that's fit like right. a glove, right? Perfectly. So the whole thing came about because of the Thai network. So, yes, I give a lot. I spend a lot of time in Thai. I, I mentor a lot of people, right? We do events. But then when you have to get things back, the network works in a brilliant way. We just wrote an audio entrepreneur book, I think. <laughs> if right. we take the last 10 minutes of this conversation, what a beautiful way to build a company. It's absolutely, absolutely You built fantastic. it with the end in mind. That's fantastic. Right. So now, um, I think it's important for the Chicago listeners. Do you mind sharing the five pillars of Thai? Well, five Just pi- to kind of give them the overview of yeah, the organization. Yeah, but, but I think it, it, yeah, we can talk about various pillars. But, but the key, key thing really, it really is that, that entrepreneurship is, a, is, a, is, a, is an activity which you should do if you really enjoy it. Right. Okay? It's not for everybody. You, you, yeah. You, you cannot start out with saying, I want to become an entrepreneur to make money. Seriously. Right. 
um, uh, it is because how your venture is going to turn out is much more luck than almost anything. Right? Markets collapse. Sure. Um, competition shows up. Uh, unexpected things happen, right? right. So, so the a central point of this network is that if you become part of this network, um, you have that serious support system because people are going through the same issues which you are going through. Right. Right? So when we do tie events here, actually, it's very simple to figure out. I just sit back and I say, okay, what is the problem I think I can't solve? Well, if I have that problem, chances are other entrepreneurs too. Why don't we put together an event which will focus on that problem? It's really not, it's not really rocket science. Right. So, uh, by the way, I have taken over again the, 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 the presidency uh, from, from this You're the year president of, again. Again, of, of, of Thai. And it's just like any organization. Market changes, you have to change. So you look at right now what's going on in the, in the technology space. I think most people will say that there's so much noise in our life because of internet so much noise that how do you separate out what is real and what you should focus on? I bet you even back your face is the same thing. Got a good business going and all that sort of stuff, but how do you differentiate yourself from the other folks? So in our technology terms or market terms, what is your go-to market strategy becomes a differentiator whether you're going to succeed or fail. You may have a very good product. How do people find out about your product is the differentiator because there's so much, in, so much noise, right? right. So this year, whole year, Thai is focusing on go-to-market strategy. What are people really doing about go-to-market strategy? What works, what doesn't work? So as I'm launching the next company, after selling a security company, the next company we're doing is Reputada, okay. right? So the first event, I said, okay, I'll be the guinea pig. So we got these 25, 30 charter members. These are people of real substance. They've done a lot of companies. I stood up there and say, this is what Reputada will do. This is what we're dreaming about. I'm telling you the feedback I got because of that. Last several months, we are incorporating that into the product. Mm -hmm. Now, where am I going to find 25, 30 really smart people acting as my advisory board for two hours for free? Right. Right. Well, now, now, I'm going to do that for other companies. Same thing. And one of those 25 is probably going to buy you in a couple well, of years, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, he takes what we've begun to learn because uh, I don't think it's any secret to most of our listeners that uh, we are uh, we have a marvelous relationship with Thai Atlanta. We are participating in their Council of Board Advisory Program. And a lot of what we've heard from all of our friends at Thai is to go out and find out what the marketplace is saying and, and, and listen. And you just epitomize this mindset of listening to people about what they need, what they want, how they view your product and service, and you've just you've and capitalized it, and on you're that to iterating at a rapid pace, and you're willing to change, right? That's it's, an it's, important it's, it's component. It's a very important point, right? Otherwise, the same thing could, could have taken me months and years, right? right? And I'm iterating very quickly, right? And that's what you have to do, to right? You can't stuff. fall in love with the idea. No. You got to be able to be nimble enough to adjust to what the customer wants. Correct. Uh, we got to wrap here in just yep. a minute, but. Uh, when we come back, and we are coming back, I, I want to talk to, to you some more, too. I want to learn more about the startup scene here. Yeah. Uh, I know we thoroughly enjoy uh, conducting interviews with startup companies, with uh, angel investors, with venture capitalists, with people that are helping uh, often kids, not always kids, get prepared to, uh, to, to engage in some of these activities like you're talking about. And I just get the sense that you're probably one of those people, like so many in the Thai ecosystem, that is... Uh, 
genuinely invested in trying to help the young entrepreneur get their arms around this. And uh, I, I want to dive into that conversation. If you're up for, for, for doing this again before too long. I'd be delighted to. We have very happy to. All Thank right, you. so let's get some, uh, some coordinates on uh, Reputatus so people can learn more about that. Let's definitely make sure that our listeners uh, know uh, where to go and who to reach out to uh, when it comes to this, uh, this business of uh, uh, Thai Midwest. Yes, so if you go to www.reputada, so that's R-E-P-U-T-A-D-A, you, you will see the new company which we are launching. From there, you'll also see what Laltech does, and from Laltech, you see what Thai, so all these things are connected. You can you can get reach Thai Midwest, and you can figure out various programs which we are which we are doing and how you can participate. All right. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Chicago Business Radio.